welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. And it's a treat this week because it's Monday, April the 17th here in Canada, and it's Easter Monday. And I sincerely hope that everyone had a beautiful long weekend with friends and family. Quite an exciting interview we have tonight because the beautiful author that I am going to interview tonight is just a mere 8,000 miles away from me in Canada in New Zealand, which is on my bucket list. So about a 14 and a half hour plane ride, if my memory serves me. And for her, it's actually Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. So let me tell you about our co-author from book 13 that I'm interviewing tonight. Her name is Angela Barrows, and she is an internationally recognized clairvoyant and psychic medium, which excites me greatly. She has had extensive training and development with Tony Robbins, and she's also trained as a master neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, also known as NLP, which many of the co-authors in the Change Book series have that designation. She has trained in multiple methodologies from Psyche, k hypnotherapy, multiple brain integration, technique and bit, and timeline therapy and more. So, so without further ado, Angela, welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. Good morning, Deb. Thank you for uh, having me on the show today. And yes, it is uh, Tuesday morning here, and please come to New Zealand. I'd love to host uh, overseas people. Um, I'd love to show you our beautiful country we have here. Well, I'm, I'm going to take up on that offer because I know that you have a colleague and good friend, Jackie Oliver, who's also extended such a gracious invitation, and same for you guys. I, I know Jackie's coming over this summer, and I hope when you fly over the ocean to our part of the world, and it's just one of the beautiful things that I love about this community, Angela, and, and that's really my first question for you is, how did you uh, liaise or come to communicate with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, and what intrigued you to join our amazing global community? Uh, it's a really good question. And um, uh, about three years ago, um, I received an email from Jim Britt asking if I could connect on Skype with him and have a quick chat about the work that I was doing. He was quite impressed. So I did that, and we talked about the change book. I think it was a book about back in about book 10 at that stage. Going through life, I felt that I wasn't wasn't quite ready to put my story out there. Um, and then when a couple so a couple of years later, coming up into the now, uh, I was approached again, and my chapter. And I thought, well, you know, it'd be pretty cool to have uh, you know to have a chapter in in the same book as Jackie, um, so that you know we can release it in New Zealand and we can book launches and everything just to make a really big splash and then I reconnect with um, Jim Lute 
uh, and it was, it was timing. It was all about the timing and the personal growth that I had moved through to a place that I was comfortable um, and I was talking my truth and putting my truth out to the world. Uh, so it, it was just about the timing. Well, and I think as an entrepreneur, regardless of the platform you choose, whether it's being an author, being a speaker, being a coach, even the work that you've done uh, with being a clairvoyant and a medium, which I, I do want to get to in a little bit, I think timing is an integral element. And sometimes we have to be patient and sit back and wait. And I wanted to tell you that I read your chapter two times. I read it yesterday and I reread it again today. And like anything else in life, when you reread something, there's always another little nugget. But the first thing I want to talk about is um, you grew up having some difficulty with one of your eyes. So I wanted to share with you that this little girl that's interviewing right now in Canada did as well. And I grew up in, uh, I was born in 1966, and I had something wrong with my left eye when I was four, and they couldn't tell my parents what it was, and I know you had some similar difficulties. So I grew up wearing a pink patch. So Angela, I look like the little pirates, and the kids used to bully me and tease me and call me names. So your chapter, reading about you and your difficulty. So I would love, because I don't want to take away from your chapter, but I would love for you to give the listeners a little bit of insight to that difficulty that you had. And I just want you to know that I, I had tears in my eyes when I read that, that you shared a similar experience. So I found it very serendipitous. Oh, thank you. Bless, bless you. Um, so just growing up, share, share a little bit about that and, and, and lead into the bullying as, as you uh, got a little bit older, if you don't mind sharing that with us. Sure, sure. Thank you. So growing up, I mean, from birth, um, I suppose I, my soul, my spirit hadn't quite decided if it, want, if it wanted to stay in this world or to leave this world, to stay in this world or leave this world. Um, and that was because of, the, because of my heart condition with the two holes in my heart. And, you know, I'm so thankful that I've, that, that I've got amazing parents because without them, I wouldn't be the person that I am today because even though I had the struggles of, you know, of the heart condition, um, my parents still pushed me. They did a lot of things to really push me so that I have a normal life because when I was born, they, they couldn't promise how long that I would live. And, you know, they would say, you know, she may live to nine, she may live to 16. Um, but, you know, we don't give her much more past the age of 16. And so as I was getting older, my parents were like, well, you're still alive. That's a good thing. <laughs> and then as I, uh, and as I got older, they, you know, I'm a, I'm a miracle. Whenever I go to the hospital to have tests, they're like, they call in all the student doctors because I shouldn't be alive with my heart condition. A lot of others that had the same condition passed away very early. And I've, I've fought at a competitive level in martial arts. I've traveled half of the globe and it shouldn't, and I'm fitter than most people should be. And still with the two holes in my heart. Um, so it was an ongoing struggle. But with that, you know, I, I'm so thankful for it because I know my limits. I, if I have a funny feeling in my body, I know what it is. I, so I've really got to understand myself and my body. I know how far to push myself. I know when I've done too much. So I'm really in tune with it. Um, 
which also I suppose led me into the spiritual aspect as well. But coming back to your question about uh, the the lazy eye, when I was younger, I had a lazy eye and I had to wear glasses um, and I had a patch. And as I grew up, I started to do eye exercises to make it stronger. And a lot of my friends don't even realize I have a lazy eye. I sent, I sent my chapter off to a friend of mine to read and she was like, Really, I've never even seen your lazy eye until now that she she can see that when I get tired uh, that you can actually notice it. But, you know, the, when I was younger, the, the bullying, the bullying wasn't, it wasn't a nice thing to have because, uh, because you know, I had, my older sister, she was great at everything. And my younger sister and my younger brother, they were great at everything. It was only me who had all these difficulties. So growing up, it really caused me to maybe have a bit of anxiety and things about not, I didn't feel like I was part of my family. And I always felt like I was adopted. And I always said to, I always said to, I was waiting for my parents to say to me, you know, you're adopted. I wanted them to admit <laughs> that I wasn't their child, but I am. I certainly am. I wasn't adopted, but it just created that feeling of, not being able to feel connected to my family because I was so different to them. Um, and just the bullying from from the younger children. And still to this day, you know, I, I would love to have the, you know, the main girl who bullied me in my audience because I would honestly go up to her and thank her because even though back then it was really harsh and it was horrible, I realized that she was doing to me what she had had done to her. And so it made me grow as a person um, later in life and to be doing the work that I do because, you know, it's not acceptable. She was only doing what she had had done to her because we feed it forward. Whatever is done to us, we do to others because we, we're being trained by our parents. And also, and when I was older, I also looked back and I realized that she didn't have a very happy upbringing. And she was maybe jealous that I had, you know, such a lovely family, you know, great supportive parents. We had, we never wanted for anything. We had everything we, we wanted. We weren't wealthy, but we were, we were middle class. My parents gave us everything we wanted. Um, that we needed, as well as that love and support, and also the uh, also with them pushing us to to achieve the best we can. So, yeah, um, at school I was bullied for silly things because my older sister had a certain car or she did a certain job. Um, to my parents, not having a not having a normal a normal nine to five job. Um, yeah, so there there were a number of things that that would happen, and so at at school I went to a Catholic girls uh, college, and I was asked to leave school at the age of fifteen because I because I figured out that I was dyslexic, and that I wasn't achieving the marks that they wanted, so I left school um, and went and did a travel and tourism course, which then later on I travelled a lot, but so moving through life, you know, my my self esteem wasn't the greatest, I suppose. Well, and I, I love that I, I listen to you and, and just even reading your chapter, I think the people that go through different elements and stages of life and knock those hurdles down and find another way, 
um, especially when you're having difficulty with your with your eye, which I can completely relate to, but you didn't allow it to define you and you didn't succumb to it and you gave yourself time until it was appropriate and it felt right for you to share your story. And I just find it intriguing that you you took from the depths of that grit and developed courses that are going to resonate and educate and advocate. And that's just giving back to empowering yourself. And I want to lead into, uh, you are in book 13, and the title of your chapter is called, You Have a Choice, So Choose to Stop Struggling. And there's a few paragraphs that I highlighted that I'd like to read for the listeners. So book 13 just came out at the end of March, so it's pretty fresh because I know we're almost done book 14. So this is exciting to have a relatively new addition to our community on the show. So let me just read a little excerpt from, from your chapter, and then I'd like to talk to you about it. So the title is, You Have a Choice. So choose to stop struggling. We have all had times when we haven't been or felt empowered. Times when we haven't had the confidence that we felt we needed and therefore struggled through issues in our life. So many of us consider it to be, quote, normal to travel through life feeling frustrated and not able to feel connected to others. Is this something you're familiar with? I used to find it difficult to communicate what I wanted and needed from others. This led me, this led to me becoming more frustrated with things in my life not going well or how I had planned. Often feeling lonely and not accepted socially into a group, I felt angry at the world for not understanding me. I frequently felt overwhelmed due to the expectations of society and how I was expected to behave. I was fed up with constantly feeling fed up, disempowered, and undervalued as a person. Unfortunately, it was a long time before I realized I didn't value, accept, or love myself as a person. So how could I expect that of others? So what a powerful opening to your chapter. And I can only imagine how many people are going to resonate with you on many levels because I think as we, as we, go through life and have different experiences and different traumas in our life and, and lose loved ones and friends. I think that we're constantly reassessing ourselves. And I know that we can wake up with gratitude every day and try and do things with love. But if you're not loving yourself as a person, so you had mentioned that you had talked to Jim and Jim a few years ago and you weren't ready. So when you chose to put words to paper and write this chapter, bring us back to the mindset of where you were when you wrote this and how easy this chapter came together. Um, it's a bit of a funny story, actually. So as part of my dyslexia, a number of times I would sit down and type away. And I'll type away. And I don't think it sounded that great because words are all over the place. So. I did that a number of times and I was—I actually had some um, anxiety come up, which I knew what it was, so I could release it. Um, and so that went on for about two weeks, two weeks. Oh, you know, most nights I'd sit down and start writing. And even though it's, you know, only three and a half thousand words, it the words really didn't flow. And then 
one day I just I used Google Voice. I sat there and I wrote out a few key points um, of what I wanted to put across, and I just spoke. I just used Google Voice to type it for me, and I just talked. Um, and it just it all flowed out because my way of communicating is I can talk. I can talk till the cows come home about personal empowerment, about spiritual development, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-love from my own personal experiences. So I just sat down and, and spoke. And I think I did over six, six 7,000 words. But it really inspired me to finish off some of the books that I had half written because, because I, you know, the work that I've gone through and that I help others go through, it's powerful stuff from, you know, from the disempowerment of not feeling connected and, you know, not being accepting of yourself, taking that, you know, self-responsibility. It's one thing that I learned when I was, you know, growing up that I need to take responsibility for how I feel because someone can trigger something, but it's how I react to that is will either empower me or disempower me. And that's, that is a huge point, and I'm glad that you've made it. It's not what happens to us. It's how we choose to react that really allows us to move on and, and process that. And I think that you're in very good company uh, being dys- dyslexic. Uh, I know if I have a few colleagues who are dyslexic, and if you look at some of the famous people in the world, which I'm sure you've seen, there's a huge list. Uh, yes, Albert Einstein is. and Robert Williams and Vince Vaughn and, and many, many more stars, even Gwen Stefani. And it's interesting to me that when I think of the successful people who are dyslexic, it just goes to show that you're not alone and look at these people. And like yourself, Angela, they've gone on to accomplish amazing and incredible feats in about every area that you've imagined. And you And you talked about taking three years and really thinking about how to tell your story. And I know that you've developed a couple of programs that have come out of your story and your experience. So I'd love for you to just take a few moments and let us know about those programs and what they entail and, and how do you offer them and, and, and who have you offered and just give us a bit of history. Sure. So through, through working through, uh, so, yeah, so basically working through my life and things, I offer two two main programs. Um, one is a Be Spiritually Inspired, and that's really a spiritual development um, program. Because when I was, when also through my chapter, you would have read that when I was younger, I had, uh, a, I've got a special gift that I was able to see other energies. And that also created another, kind of another reality of, who are these people and also gave me the sense of, you know, not, not feeling safe, not feeling safe because there's always these other energies around and I wasn't really aware of them. Oh, sorry. I was aware of them. I just didn't know a lot about them. Um, an example story, um, we, when I was a child growing up, we, we've always lived in big houses and it was a six bedroom house with, you know, you know, upstairs, downstairs, two bathrooms and a pretty big house. And, I would make my father every night go downstairs, check all the doors, turn the lights on before I went down because I would never go down if it was dark because I always felt that there were other people in the house. And I would always say to my parents that, you know, I feel there's, you know, can you check again? There's someone in the house. And so my dad would go down again and he would check and this would go on night after night after night for a lot of my, uh, for a lot of my uh, childhood years. 
And so it wasn't until later in life that um, we discovered that I had the gifts that I could see people were passed over and I could see other energies and entities. Um, but my mother also reminded me that when I was younger that I would also talk to them. And I would tell my parents things of, um, you know, of people having affairs, of someone being sick, of someone dying or, you know, something happening. So I, so as I was growing up, I discovered and I learned what it was. I never, I've never been to a class. Uh, and one time I went to a development circle and the lady was like, you, you know a lot already. We can't really help you develop anymore. And so that was really difficult. So through my own learning, I've discovered how to channel other beings, um, how to channel guides and to communicate with them to bring through messages for other people. So now it's it's a course that I teach um, and I teach and I help and support guide people to bring through their higher self, their guides to connect really in with themselves. But the key is to connect in with themselves. And another... So the other one I run is, it's called Be Personally Empowered. And that's about understanding who you are, accepting who you are, loving who you are, and taking that self-responsibility, knowing when you're giving your power away and why you're giving it away It's and how to bring it back to yourself. Well, it, it, it's just another testament for all the work that you've done on your own personal development, professional development, and you've and you've brought those two together to create these two courses, and they sound so interesting. I I'm I'm very much a spiritually minded person. I do not have the gifts that you have, but I know that there's other co-authors in the change uh, that I feel that you should definitely connect with. Um, Alan Witch is in book seven. And let's just say there's a lot of synergy uh, on the physical sense and, and what you were born with, with your heart. And again, I don't want to take away the, the synergy, but I, I will introduce you. And I definitely feel that you would enjoy meeting Diana Allen from The Change. She lives in the south of France, Canadian, and she has become a shaman. And I just, I know synergistically you will click with her. And there's another lovely lady in Western Canada called Donna Dahl. And again, just I'm sitting listening to you and those three names are, are popping in my head as co-authors <laughs> that you need to connect. So I have a, I have a, I've been told I have an intuitive empathy. I don't know that I have any clairvoyant special powers, but I, I know uh, when, when to network people and uh, I know the synergy will be there. So I will I will Perfect. reach out for you, Angela, and make those uh, make those connections. Now Great. I know I know you've done a lot of traveling, and I'd love for you to just give us a snapshot of how old you were when you left, and where your travels have led you. And I know there's a special place you wanted to be on your 30th birthday. So <laughs> just kind of take us on a on a whirlwind tour of work has led you and just the tenacity you had to to, to girl <laughs> sure thank you oh, it's my favorite part the, tra- the traveling part so when I in my, uh, my early 20s I was always really focused on developing businesses because I wanted to be financially free um, and so I never really wanted to travel and it wasn't until 
my best friend, I was about 25, my best friend said, I'm going overseas. I'm like, well, you can't go without me. You'll get into trouble <laughs> because, um, yeah, she she liked to have a lot of fun. So then I booked my ticket and we we left. We left New Zealand, two Kiwi girls going off into the big old into the big world of Europe. So we travelled for quite a while, and halfway through travelling, I was we were sitting, sitting uh, in Mykonos in the Greek islands, and I turned around to my best friend and I said, "I'm not going home. <laughs> I'm not going back to New Zealand." So then I had to go and tell my boss that I wasn't coming back to work, and I had to tell my family that I wasn't coming home. And they can sell my car and and things. So I decided to move to London, and all I had was my backpack on my back and very limited money because I had spent a lot of it travelling. So I moved to London. Um, background: my career background is in IT um, and telecommunications in the corporate in the corporate sales sector. So moved to London, um, lived in a in a backpackers for a few months till we got till I got on my feet. I found a great job. Um and when I was in and I, I loved, absolutely had an amazing time backpacking around Europe, meeting amazing people, just having just experiences with local people and trying all the food and just amazing times just, just being away. And it was a real time that I felt I felt the freedom to, to really be who I was and and to really break out of my comfort zone as well. So I was in London, worked in London for a couple of years and I wasn't really feeling fulfilled as a person, just going to work, earning good money, coming home. Uh, just The energy wasn't right. So then I decided uh, just one day to move out to Turkey. So I was looking on, just there was, a, there was an ad in front of me, tour guides wanted. So I decided to move out to Turkey and to become a, a tour guide. And for my friends and family, they were like, are you crazy? You don't like talking in front of people. You hardly like talking to people. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be a challenge. So I moved out to Turkey, never been to the country before, arrived in Istanbul. And thank goodness there was a driver there holding my name. Because if he wasn't, I don't know where I'd be. Um yeah, so I lived in Turkey for a couple, for about a year, uh, touring all around Turkey and through the Middle East. Um, and after, so there was, you know, just an amazing experience having to lead, you know, a group of 49 people on a bus going to sites and really having to research them quickly before you go. Um, so it was a lot of organizing. It really pushed me to my limits, you know, being tired, having to get up and put a big smiling face on for people to lead them around, um, organize all the accommodation, hotels, and and just managing the group dynamics as well. So it was pretty intense. And then I was only about 26, 27. Um, and so after that, moved back to London to get back into the corporate corporate scene to uh, earn some good money, and again, just didn't didn't feel fulfilled at all. So then I decided um, I wanted some more experiences. So then I decided to uh, apply for a job out in Vietnam. So I moved out to Vietnam, and again, I didn't know anything about the country or the language. And luckily, I had the driver there with my name on to take me to our apartment. So I traveled around. Um, Southeast Asia for another couple of years uh, touring but this time it was different I had older people sort of baby boomers uh, and it was a smaller group more intimate groups and just a fascination 
uh, that came along then and the enthusiasm that they also brought along. But you know, going through countries in Southeast Asia, some of them I felt like I was living in uh, in like in you know, in like kind of one of those ads, you know, the the sponsoring a child ad. Um, and a couple of times, you know, I had a bit of a breakdown writing back to my friends saying, you know, you guys got to send me money, you got to send me things. We need to help these people, these people on the streets, these people, they have nothing. But, you know, when I look back, they had everything, they had everything they needed. And just some of the most amazing, amazing people. So when I was traveling, you know, from Cambodia to Laos to Thailand to Vietnam to China, I just... I learned so much more about life, um, the way that it should be, not about the commercial side of life, but about yourself and your, you, just all about yourself, your, how you are, what you need in life, um, and how you treat others, just so much. And then after that, um, I moved, so 29, I moved up to China, and I want, because I wasn't ready to come home, and so then I learned to teach English. So I went to Shanghai University to learn to teach English and taught English in Shanghai. And then I was um I was deported home, sent home, which I wasn't ready to be sent home. But I was so fortunate because previous to moving to China, when I was guiding, I always wanted to have my 30th on the Great Wall of China, which I was very lucky to do. So with my group, I um we got some bubbles and we had we had my birthday party, which my birthday, which is 9-11, um, on the Great Wall of China, which was just amazing, just such a special time. So that was my, my 30th. And then coming home, uh, I was a different person. A lot of my friends and family didn't really recognize who I was um, because I had changed so much. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, but when you go through... I understand what you're saying, and it's interesting because I grew up in Canada and you grew up in New Zealand, and I think that we have a subconscious awareness by how we measure happiness, and I'm, and I'm happy that you pointed out we measure it by materialism and commercialism, and, and when you first saw these people in the different places that you were visiting, you thought that they didn't have. But what you realize through your awakening is that everything they need. They just didn't have what you thought they should have, which is, you know, what we grew up on. So it's that's very insightful and, and very awakening. When when you talk about your soul not being happy or not singing, can you put that into words for us or feelings or, or just verbally express what that meant to you? Because you talk about that in your chapter a few times during your journey. Yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled at all. I wasn't. Um, I mean, an example was I was going to the pub a lot because it's what a lot of the others were doing. I was doing things to try and fit in. I even started doing some some drugs and stuff because the people that I was living with—that's what they were doing. And when I realized that I was doing that, it it wasn't me. It, it's I mean, I don't, I'm not a drinker. I've always been into fitness and looking after myself, you know, eating really well, just having a really good, healthy mind. But it was by association, I was really trying to fit in when I didn't fit in. People that were around me, they weren't 
the same as me. It, it sounds a bit judgmental, but it's not. It, it's not who I was. It's certainly not who I was, and it's not who I am. I mean, when you look at the five closest people to you, you are who you associate with. And if you're not associating with like-minded, like-hearted people, you your vibration, your human vibration, can lower down to their vibration. So I wasn't being, I wasn't fulfilled. I was going to work. Um, I was achieving goals, achieving my targets, and had a great had a had a great work life but I wasn't doing the things that I love to do I wasn't going to the gym I wasn't exercising I wasn't playing sports like I like to do I, I was just going home watching tv which for the people that know me it's it's not it's not at all what I do so I wasn't doing the things that made me happy hence why I wanted to go and travel again and I went and I went to Vietnam because that made my heart sing well, I love that you've listened to your inner voice to go where you needed to go on all levels, which is probably which ties into your level of spirituality and being clairvoyant. And a lot of people go through their life, Angela, not having the realization that they don't fit in because they'll continue to hang with those people who may not be the best influence on them. But like you talked about in your chapter, Sometimes you need to become an introvert to really look inward to find out who you are so you know who those type of people are that you're trying to attract into your life. So, again, I think that was very, very insightful, and I think it was brave, if I if I want to pick any word to say, because a lot of people don't want to get it, give in to that unease of looking inward and being drawn to who they're really meant to be. And I think if anyone appreciates it, it's you. We're, we're here for one time. And you have defied the odds since you were a young girl. And you talk about in your chapter and even uh, thinking that you were adopted and they didn't think that you would be here past 13. And I know you're past 30 now because you told us <laughs> that in the book. So you never ask a woman her age. But my point is, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, but my point is, there's been so many obstacles that have been throughout your whole life since you were a young child and nothing has stopped you from continuing on and knocking those barriers and those hurdles down. And I think that that in itself is just such a great representation of, of a strong woman who's got clarity. And I think your travel has only added to what I like to call your emotional intelligence Skill set, mm -hmm. so people can be certainly relatable to you, and I can see why you develop these programs because you're now sharing your experience and your inner teachings with the world, and I think that that makes a great author. I think it makes a great coach because I don't think there's anything that anyone can really chat to you about that you either haven't been through or you don't have a modality or a strategy to help them get through it. And I think that's really, com that's commendable, Angela. It is. And that's, and to me, we live our life by choice. So that's why I named it. You have a choice. So choose to stop struggling because we, uh, Deb, I'm sure with your clients and, you know, with your workshops and things that you have run also, also that people, cho they choose to, to remain as they are, they choose they choose the state of being, they choose their state of health. And sometimes 
it's you know there's always a reason why people want to be in that state if it's a growth or if it's a pain state there's always a reason but there is a, there is a choice that people can change that people can choose to stop that struggling to release the resistance to move forward and it's well, not an easy thing to do it's not and I'll share with you I collaborated last week with uh, Charlene Renault who's in book 12 with me and she had had a situation come up with her event and one of her speakers from Europe could not attend. And it was a much different event that I had collaborated uh, with anyone before. And after reading your chapter today, I had a bit of an aha moment because I sat on the stage with Charlene last Thursday night and she interviewed me, and it was lovely being on the other side of the microphone, not knowing what was going to be asked. And there was a lot of life experience questions about, you know, how did you get to being where you are today, and why do you feel you're an expert with work-life balance? And what was really comforting for me was being able to give people a little snapshot and insight to my childhood and all of those difficulties, and I wouldn't go back, much like you alluded to, and change anything because then I wouldn't be who I am today. And it was so emotional for me, Angela, because at the end, uh, I had got a standing ovation, and I said to Charlene, I think this is the best talk I've ever given. And it wasn't really a talk, it was an interview, but it was so specific to my being and who I am as a person. So I find it interesting that I have chose to hang out with the Change Book co-authors because I think we're such a powerful, positive, optimistic, globally changing, innovative community. And I've, I've met and talked to almost over 200 of the authors. So I just, I find it a gift and an honor and a privilege that every week I get to talk to somebody new and interesting. And I just, I love the work that you've done. And I think that you're a gift to the world, which is obviously why you're, why you're still here. And I want you to share with the listeners, I know that you have a platform on Blog Talk Radio. It's called the Empowerment Channel. And tell us about your empowerment show. And again, just another strategy for you to share your wisdom and guidance. Why did you start that? And what, has, what, has it, what pleasure has it given you? And what has it taught you since you created that show? Wow. Thank you for mentioning it. Um, it has given me, you know, like yourself, I love talking and listening to other people's wisdom, to their knowledge, their life experiences, because you have such great awareness. Um, so the Empowerment Show uh, is all about sharing empowering stories, sharing empowering uh, life experiences, uh, coaches, authors, speakers who have who are doing just empowering work, anything about personal empowerment to help humanity grow, to help people through whatever situation they're going through. And I've done, now I've done over a hundred shows and I love it because everyone is different. Everyone is unique. They have their unique way. No one's, no one's the same. Sometimes, you know, you may think you're the same or you, you know, some people say, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. I know how you feel. It's like, really, do you really know how I feel? 
because you're not in my body. Um, so it's everyone's different. And I love, I love hearing everyone's story and just little pieces of wisdom, the golden nuggets, which I can also take away and implement or I can use. So I love sharing other people's messages. And that's what it's about. It's about exposing them out to the world like the change has done for me and other shows have done for myself. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people that have never been on a show before. They've never been interviewed. And that's, you know, and just to say to them, you, I promise you, you are safe. There's nothing that will be exposed that you're not ready to. You know, I'm quite guided. Um, but just to give them that experience, that first shot, that the hand up to create some uh, exposure for them to share the amazing work that they do. It's 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 a rewarding and privileged place to be in. And and like you, there's there's never two radio interviews the same. And you connect with different people in different ways because we're all made up of energy and, and some is extremely synergistic and others, it just flows. It's, it's unexplainable and I'm sure you could put it into some spiritual words for me, but I want to know who Angela's role model is. Who do you look up to? <laughs> um, so some of my role models from, you know, in my late teens, I used to listen to Zig Ziglar. I used to, I used to listen to him because I love his voice. <laughs> that was probably one of the only reasons I would listen to him because I loved his voice. And then I listened to Dale Carnegie because I loved his voice. I loved the accents. And then, um, so I listened to to all the great masters. And then I listened to Tony Robbins. And then I started training with Tony Robbins later on. And just the wisdom so probably one of my favorites is Zig Ziglar and the reason I loved listening to Zig Ziglar is because he would say you know you help other people to where they want to go and that helps you to get to where you want to go help others first be of service help them and you get to where you need to go and to me that's what I love because I I'm 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 a natural coach I'm a natural coach in sports and in life. I've always had people come to me all through my life, what I call little mini projects when I was when I was younger. People come and tell me their life story. I was out at a bar uh, dancing um, on Saturday night, and I had a man come over and tell me his whole life story. And my friend thought that he was annoying me, but he wasn't. He was he was sharing his life and his difficult situations with me. And I felt really blessed that a stranger <laughs> felt open enough to share with me. And I get that often. So it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a gift and it's such a privilege. Um, and it's what people like Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie and all the masters would have done. And I agree with you. And because you've done so much work on yourself you see that and I'm the same as you I, I, I do a lot of pro bono work I volunteer at my hospice our local hospice in my city and my Irish Nana used to say to me do what you love and your money will always come and it has and I don't yes. I don't I don't always I have the business sense going in Angela but I'm not I don't get so condoned about 
all the fiduciary or, or financial elements of it because I, I go with my heart and much like you, there's, there's an intuitiveness for me. And I think when yeah. people are able to just talk to you and tell them their life story, because I have very similar experiences to you, being able to build rapport with people on that level, I think that's a gift from God. And I don't think a lot of people have that. And I don't take it for granted. And it certainly sounds like you don't as either. And I, I love that you know your limits. I love that you call yourself a natural coach. And what do you do for fun? What does Angela do when, when the work's all done and it's time to play? What do you enjoy and what makes you laugh? What makes me laugh is that, well, what makes my heart sing is dancing. So I, a couple of years ago, um, Jackie, Jackie Oliver and I, we, we went and started a dance class because um, she also wanted to start dancing. And yes, yeah, so we went and started dancing and we still dance. It's been maybe three years and we're still dancing. I love to dance. Um, and it's it's amazing for the soul. I mean, I've I've got two left feet. <laughs> so, but it's something that I've stayed with and I've, you know, really str- struggled through, but learned and just love, love it. Um, other things I I love to be around my family, take my nieces and nephews out, spend time with them, um, you know, go and jump in puddles, go and run through the mud or climb walls. Um, I also I'm also uh, love to exercise. I mean, moving the body, keeping the mind strong. Um, so yeah, exercising. I've got my background in competitive martial arts. I still. Uh, train uh, in boxing but I don't fight anymore so I, I love I love the intensity but I've also started yoga in the last four weeks and I tell you I I love it it's a lot softer and smoother on the body I mean I've never done sort of yoga before but yeah it's my new thing I'm loving it absolutely love it well, so I, 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 I love your zest for life. I, I <laughs> what I love is that we're so much. We have so much in common. I love that you've done so many things in your life because I, I look at me. I'm a young 50 year old, and I, I look at all the jobs and all the work that I've had and all the travel I've done. And I'm reading your chapter, thinking I've met a younger version of myself. But Fantastic. I love that your list goes on and on, and I, I love that even with your heart difficulties that you love to dance. Like there's nothing that is going to stand in your way of, of living a life of happiness and success and abundance. And I think a lot of that is mindset and your willingness to learn. I am a fitness lover. And like you, I, I do yoga, I do weight training, but I thought it was time to change it up. So I've gone back to running. I haven't ran in about 20 years. And I also just finished playing on a over 50 soccer team and we went to the finals, Angela, and we got second place and we were the worst team in October. And it's just funny that we have all these similar intertwined little, (laughs) little happenings in our life that turn out to be fun and it brings us to the height of our self-confidence and it enhances our connection with people and I think living a life of fulfillment and happiness is really the only way to live and I I really feel that synergy with you yes it is and also I have an Irish grandmother (laughs) oh you do see I do my yeah my father uh is British my sorry my father passed away but uh, my father's British and his uh, his mother was Irish. Who, when I was a child, she um, I mean, 
she wasn't around a lot. She passed away when I was very young, but she used to hold me in a certain cloth and like a little blue blanket. And so when I, with the spiritual stuff, when I started, uh, you know, being out exposed in public about what, eight, nine years ago, um, you know, doing platforms, speaking at spiritual centers, giving out messages, I said to my dad, um, your mother comes, I think, I think your mother comes through to me all the time and she's the one, you know, giving messages out. And I said to him, you know, she, she, because she would show me that I was wrapped in a blue blanket. And he said, that's right. And he showed me the photo of her with me. And it's exactly as, um, exactly as she shows me. So it was, it's pretty amazing. So, uh, and she, and my spiritual line comes from that Irish side. But I've never been there. In all my travels, I've been to England, Ireland, Scotland. Sorry, England, Scotland, and Wales. But I have—I never went to Ireland. And I've been—I have been to England and to Wales, and I've not been to Ireland either. Isn't that funny? Oh wow! Imagine, imagine going to Ireland together and having that experience. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we're going to go and talk there. Who knows? But I want to—I want to spend a little bit of time before we wrap up. Is I want to. open up the conversation about uh, being able to receive direct clairvoyant or you, you call it psychic intuitive information from your spirit guides. Because I, I know with some people, they find it very intimidating and scary. And I think it's, there's not always an openness, but I know when you, you probably do it one-on-one on Skype or the telephone and it's safe and it's confidential how how do how do people react and just share a little bit about how you offer that and what mindset do you have to do to prepare to to do something with one of your clients in that regard? Sure. So for myself, I've um, when I was developing, I had to put agreements in place with. I suppose my guides and stuff so that they wouldn't be channeling all the time. They wouldn't be giving me messages all the time. So I have an agreement with them that when I want them to come through, if I'm doing a session, if I'm, you know, speaking, if I'm whatever I need, I can ask them. I can say, I just say your turn and they come through. Um, They can come through if I have a person in front of me who really needs a message. So because I'm human, I'm living a human life they can only come through because I'm in control. So they can only come through when I, when I want them to, or if they really, really need to. Um, people think I'm, I'm channeling all the time um, or I'm tuned in all the time. I'm tuned into my, into my consciousness, my intuition, but I'm not always vibrating up at that higher frequency, aligned, pure alignment to channel them through because as Angela, my vibration is it's a lower vibration, but when I'm doing my spiritual work, when I'm connecting in, I, I'm in pure, absolute pure alignment with no resistance because I have a hundred percent trust in them. So when I'm working, everything they say, I trust. I have to trust because if I don't trust them, the connection gets broken, broken, and your mind comes into it. Your judgment, all you know, your judgment, your filters, your life things can come into it. So, when I'm doing my sessions, I talk really quick, and that's because, and that's so my conscious mind and my unconscious mind can't kick in. So it's pure channeled information. Um, but for 
and just some tips for other people if you know if you're looking if you'd like to bring through your guides if you want to you know bring through your intuition it's about alignment bringing yourself into alignment your you know your human points from you know what's going on in your mind clear the mind i have an activity that um i with my uh, students clear the mind clear the emotional body clear the physical body Get right down on a piece of paper everything that's going on, all those thoughts that you got that are going on. Did I turn the iron off? Did I feed the dog? Am I, is my car okay? Did I leave my straighteners on? Clear all that because you can't be in alignment when you have so much going on in the in the head brain. And then in the emotional field, you know all the emotions that you're feeling, get them out on a piece of paper, clear them so that you know so that you can be clear. And yeah, others will pop up, but get the main ones out. Also in the physical body, if you've got any aches and pains, get, put it all out on a piece of paper, clear it all out so that at least the human elements can can be semi-clear, can be clear and semi-clear. So it's something that I used to do before I would work on my soul points to bring them into alignment to be, to enable me to channel, bring through the higher vibration. Because if you're weighed down with human stuff, you know, physical stuff, mental stuff, emotional stuff, it's more difficult to channel. It's more difficult to connect because you're so stuck in yourself. You weigh down too much. Well, and that's a great point. And I know when I'm helping my clients in doing the lifestyle coaching to help them find work-life balance, we have to find the imbalance before we can even figure out what needs to be changed. And that's, it's a really valid point that you just said. It's so emotional when they realize what is weighing them down and that they're not giving any self-care time, any self-love, they're looking after everyone else and trying to pour from an empty cup. So there's no way they're going to even open that, that road to looking after themselves and being able to find that quietness inside. So those are really, really great points. So if you could sit down with anybody today either someone who's alive or someone who's passed and ask any question and use your beautiful psychic intuition, who would that person be and why? You know, that's an amazing question. Um, who would I sit down with? Oh, I'm <laughs> almost speechless. Um, God, maybe God, but then I talk to God all the time. Um, I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> is there someone that you've looked up to or um, someone who has maybe passed but again it's a good point with your intuitive abilities um, you can see and chat with people who've passed on the other side so is there yeah, someone the that you know there's, there's what what we call you know the universal wisdom so when you want to say I want to I'm I'm talking you know about uh, Dale Carnegie, you know, I want to win some friends and influence some people. I think of Dale and I think about the things that he said, so I'll kind of put myself in his shoes to bring through his vibration to use that. Um, same with like Zig Ziglar, if I'm talking about business and, you know, reaching the top two success in that. I think of him and I put myself in his shoes of, okay, so what would he say at this point? And same, you know, when I'm coaching, I'll put myself in 
and like Tony Robbins shoes or my trainer shoes, uh, my NLP trainer, master trainer shoes of what would they say at this point? So I'm bringing other in, in, other universal energies in. Even I do it with, with Jim Brood when I'm, you know, someone's asked, asked me about what I do. Jim Jim's has some fantastic lines. I'm like, okay, so Jim would say this. And then I just kind of ramble that off. So I'm bringing in other energies to to help myself as well. No, that's people, a good, I would like that's to... a really good point about Jim and Jim because I've done a similar thing when they've said, Well, why why did you get involved and what has it done? And right away it, that's it's you're making me laugh hearing you say that because I can hear their voice in my mind going, Well, you know what to say because tell them what has transpired for you. There's there's nothing more like relatability and, and we've talked about that a lot during this interview. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said about boarding rapport. But actually, you know, someone I would like to talk, sit down and talk to, um, to have in the human flesh again would probably be my father. My father and my grandfather and my grandmother. They're the people I would love to have in the flesh. No big movies, no big star or idol or anything, but just to have them. I mean, even though I can sit with them in a meditative state, but just to have them back in the physical <laughs> Would be nice. No, and I, I'm the same. I, I lost my dad at 21, so I, I would welcome that opportunity. And same with my Irish nana. But I would love to have met and to have talked to and to have learned from Mother Teresa. I, I would have been really uh, privileged to have met her. My, my uncle by marriage uh, did a lot of philanthropy work in Calcutta. And when she passed away, he was invited to her funeral. And he said it was one of the most spiritual, emotional events that he ever went to because it was so much more than a funeral because world leaders and different people who had worked with her through different phases of her life. But do you know what I love about her the most, Angela, and what I want to portray in my lifetime and my legacy is I want to just be a quiet leader like her. And that's what I'm aspiring. Yes. Yeah. So a question for you, Deb, what do you want to have written on your headstone? Oh, that's a good one. I'll have to think about that. I'm not, it's I'm not hope. I'm not hoping to go there anytime soon. No, 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 of course not. (laughs) Um, you know what I I talk about the dash a lot on the headstone that it's not about the year you're born and it's not about the year that you die it's about how you lived that dash in the middle so if, if I had to give you a short answer I think it would be a quote or a script that I would write about how I lived my life and that I I lived my life full of passion and hope and with vitality because that's that is my daily mantra and i i live with gratitude i start my day with gratitude i end it with gratitude and much like you angela i don't i don't let i don't let barriers and people and situation change my mindset or who i am or who i've become because i think i am also like you vibrating at the best version of myself right now Yes, good. It's and being being a quiet leader, you 
you know, when you're vibrating at your soul essence, you don't need to be out shouting from the rooftops. You don't need to be uh, out there promoting because it, the energy comes to you. The energy comes to you. When when you're in that alignment and you're doing the work that you're here to do, when you're helping and serving humanity, it all works out perfectly. And when you have that belief, it all works out perfectly. It does. And, and when I walk out of hospice every other Saturday, I can't verbally express to you how I feel. I feel happy. I feel content. I feel complete. And I automatically look up at the sky when I walk out that door. And I know that I am put there for a reason. And I go there on my own, my own time. It's, it's volunteer. I do not make money. But I land up sitting with people at the end of their life. And the privilege and honor that that gives me is indescribable. I cannot even put into words for anybody. Wow, it would be. So Amazing. I, I have loved listening to your accent because I'm sure you think I have an accent as well, but I, I love listening to your accent and I, I want to direct people to your website and do you have any upcoming speaking events or things that you're offering on your website that you can let our listeners know? Um, so I have, if they can check out the empowerment show on my, on my website, my website is the empowermentcoach.com. Um, so certainly go there. You can subscribe to my newsletter and, um, also, uh, yeah, check out the empowerment show, um, on blog talk. It's the empowerment channel. And if you'd love to be on my show, please get in contact with me. I love, as I said, love listening to people's stories. Um, or join me on Facebook, Angela, the, um, the empowerment coach or the empowerment show. Well, I'm definitely going to go listen to your show, and I'd love to be on the other side of the yes. mic and have, and have you challenge me with some thought-provoking questions. I, I would love that. It's It's been a delight chatting to you, and now I'm even more excited to talk to Jackie because I didn't realize you two were friends, but here we are, synergy aligning. I just yes. I wish you all the best with your continued coaching practice and your health and your fitness and just please keep sharing your goodness and shining your light with the world. And it's an honor to be in the change book community with you. Excellent. I will see you in the change book community and online Absolutely. when I interview you soon. Lovely spending an hour with you and have a great week. And thanks again, Angela. You're welcome. Thank you. So just a wonderful interview the last hour with Angela Barrows from New Zealand. She is in book 13. Her chapter is you have a choice. So choose to stop struggling. So I am back on Wednesday, April the 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm with fellow co-author out of book 12, Charlene Renault. And she's coming off of a wonderful event that she did last week in Chatham. And I was joyfully there uh, watching her on stage and then joining her on stage. So I'm really excited for you to tune in and listen to that. So thanks for spending time with me. This is Deb Pro with the Changebook Radio Show. And we'll be back here on Wednesday. Bye for now. <laughs>